0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last.
1: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: The profits on
3: the hill is in line with the tobacco, probably 15 to 20 percent higher, though. After you get that education, you really start to understand the opportunity and so on, and that it's not the same thing as marijuana.
2: We're trying to keep our communities safe. And what we see in Colorado, what we've seen in Oregon, what we've seen in Washington State is a public public health problem.
4: Hemp, CBD, THC and marijuana. What exactly does it all mean? Thanks for joining us. I'm John Little with Austin York and welcome to another edition of KRLD in depth. It's good to have you here. Well, Texas, are you ready for hemp? Because the USDA approved the state's plan to allow growth of industrial hemp just last month. The state's agriculture commissioner Sid Miller explains the next step.
5: once we get final approval, after we've uh, you know closed the comment period and adopted our rules, uh, then we'll uh, uh, wait on that. So we should be able to start issuing licenses and permits probably. Oh, I'm gonna say around seventh or eighth of March, something like that. That's good though. We need to get in get in early so these farmers can get planted.
4: But if you're like so many, you don't know what the difference is between marijuana and hemp and what's cbd and what's thc so to help us sort it all out we bring in krld's austin New york
6: well john i like so many other people didn't really know about any of this except what cheech and chong used to smoke on the movies and what i thought hippies were into but i was amazed when i attended the texas hemp Convention about just how many people there were into this product and the diversity of the crowd there. You had farmers and investors and those in need of the medical products. And, yes, there were some recreational users.
4: I bet that was eye-opening, just the diversity. So so what did you learn? Okay,
6: I had to ask Jason Cohen. He was the founder of Tessera Naturals. To start from the beginning and explain it all, and I called it Hemp for Dummies.
7: The plant is cannabis, and there's two different varieties. There's, there's marijuana, and then there's hemp. Marijuana has a high uh, amount of THC, and that's why that gets you high, and that's what most people think of cannabis is marijuana. But the other variety of cannabis is called hemp, which has a high amount of CBD, and only trace amounts of, of THC. Um, THC has its health benefits as well. A lot of people use it for pain management and, and those kinds of issues. Um, but CBD is kind of the rising star for the health and medicinal uh, benefits that that it's getting so much press on. Um, so, that I mean, there's, there's just two different cannabinoids. Uh, the THC is what interacts with certain receptors in your endocannabinoid system that Creates this intoxicating effect. Yeah. CBD interacts in a different way with your with your cannabinoid receptors in our bodies, and it doesn't have the mental impairment, intoxicating effects. But it does provide this similar and various other uh, medicinal type benefits.
6: So exactly, what are the types of CBD?
7: All of our CBD products are broad spectrum, and that is different than full spectrum. Where full spectrum is the complete extract from the hemp plant, which includes all of the, the cannabinoids, terpenes, amino acids, and uh, all the beneficial compounds from the hemp plant itself. And that includes a trace amount of THC. Uh, and to be legal, it has to stay under 0.3% of THC. So it really is trace amounts. Um, but that micro you know, dosing is still beneficial. Um, so that's called full spectrum. Ours is broad spectrum, which is basically it's, it's a full spectrum, starts as full spectrum, and it goes one step further to remove the trace amounts of THC. So it still has all the cannabinoids, terpenes, amino acids, and all, this, all the uh, beneficial compounds, but without THC. And we did that because there's a lot of people who are interested in the benefits of CBD, but they get regularly drug tested for their jobs, whether they're law enforcement, nurses, bus drivers, what have you. And so they cannot have any THC in their system. Other people just are super sensitive to THC and they don't want to have any. Uh, And then there's some that just have the stigma, they just don't want any THC, uh, psychologically. Um, But we feel broad spectrum is, is the way to go. And there's the third, the third format is called CBD isolate, which we don't have. And that is only the singular compound of CBD and nothing else which is okay, but you're missing out on that synergistic relationship between all the other cannabinoids and terpenes that work together uh, to provide health benefits. So that's why we stuck with broad broad spectrum. It's kind of the best of both worlds.
6: So now that we know what CBD and hemp is, we'll take a look at some of the benefits, those who are looking to capitalize on the industry and the laws that currently govern its growth. We're also going to take a look at what law enforcement has to say about all this, but first we're going to start with the benefits. Here's Alex Vargas, CEO of Opular Organics out of Wiley.
2: It's a question of, like, what are you trying to accomplish? We have something for sleep. We have something for sore muscles and joints. Uh, You know, we have something for just general, you know, uh, um, pain during the course of the day, right? So, I mean, there's a variety of different things that you can take. There's gummies, people love gummies. So, it really is finding something that is right for them and then also becoming educated about it. But I think one of the really, you know, one of the biggest things that you have to worry about. Uh, is education, right, and ensuring that the the product that you're buying is from a reputable company and that you can find a website, you can find COAs that tell you this is what's in that product, this was tested for everything it was supposed to be tested for.
7: And Cohen says the benefits seem to be growing every day. Research is coming out daily for many different ailments, the most popular Conditions that people are taking CBD for is uh, anxiety, pain relief, as well as insomnia. And then there's many other people with autoimmune deficiencies, such as fibromyalgia, MS, those kinds of things as well. A little bit more serious. Um, there's also. Um, You know, cancer patients that are going through chemotherapy taking CBD to alleviate symptoms like nausea, vomiting, and all the the side effects from chemotherapy. Um, But I would say the main main reason, or the the most popular reasons are pain relief, anxiety, and insomnia. But there's, like I said, a growing list. There's uh, heart uh, conditions that it can help with, skin repair. just different neuroprotective uh, properties that it has. It's an antioxidant. It's an anti-inflammatory. So there's so many different ways. And then the different formats you take it in, there's the you ingest it. You can put it topically. Uh, Some people vape with uh, hemp CBD. So there's different reasons or different ways you could take it. And those also offer different reasons uh, or different benefits. And you get different bioavailability and absorption rates with all the different formats as well.
4: Well, it sounds like this stuff is a much better and a much more organic option than opioids and pharmaceuticals and the like.
6: Yeah, many of the producers believe so. And and one of the best stories I heard was from Amanda Struthers, who suffers from a severe case of multiple sclerosis. She spoke to me about the benefits of CBD.
0: I have been diagnosed with MS for 10 years and um, it's on and off. I've been bed bound. I've been walker bound and um, I've had a lot of um, functioning issues, foggy brain, that kind of thing. Um, my doctors, when I first came on, they put me on um, trial medications to see, because with MS, you never know what's going to work. So they run you through the trials, and I got, I got more sick than what, how I was. And I went ahead and continued with that for about a year or so, and I, I almost ended up bed-bound completely. Um, I finally decided I had lost weight and I went down to about 120 pounds which for me makes me look like a skeleton and everybody was really worried about me and so um, one day um, I just decided that I wasn't going to deal with big pharma anymore and I was going to try to see if there was something else um, that wouldn't make me sick and um, I came from a very Natural background. Uh, my father was um, lived in a commune in Guatemala in a treehouse for ten years for like twenty years. So um, I, was no it stigma. wasn't new. Yeah, there was no stigma to it. It was for me growing up. We did homeopathic. That was our first answer before we went to you know try the big pharma medications. And so I decided to go back to my roots, and I just started using them. Um, as you can see, like, I still have issues where I can only um, stand up for certain amounts of time, and every once in a while I have issues um, if I overdo it. But um, ever since I started taking CBD, you take a little bit at a time, um, and it builds up in your system. It opens up those receptors. Um, I actually have been able to function which I wasn't able to do for a really long time. I have a two-year-old that I wasn't able to pick up. She'd have to climb into my lap. And now um, the pain's still there, and I still ache a little bit, but not anywhere near where I was.
4: That's a great story, and it sounds like she's doing so much better. But besides those who make and they use the products, you spoke earlier about farmers as well. Yeah, and
6: this was one of the more interesting sides because I have a family farm in Illinois and Texas, and so the agriculture side of all this kind of intrigued me. I spoke with Dustin Shivers with Shivers Manufacturing. This was out of Iowa. They make farm equipment there. And, and he says all types of people are getting into growing hemp.
3: I'll tell you, it's interesting because this is a totally different customer for us. I think when we got into this, we expected it to be our traditional agricultural you know, farmer who's probably grown other crops. What we're seeing is some of that. But a lot of people who have never grown crops in their life. In fact, they may be at a, a totally different business, but they'll go out, acquire some land, and just give it a shot. So it's been really interesting to see. You know, it's an immature market, it's, it's the Wild West right now, and it's a lot of people who are, who are taking a lot of chances. A lot of payout, though, if they get it right. That's right. And, and it, is, it
6: is like, I hate to be pardon the pun, a budding in- industry. Really, mm. you're getting this at the, in its infancy stage, yes. and you. Do you see this expanding 10, 20 years?
3: I do. So I studied marketing in school, and, and the curve typically goes exactly like what we're seeing now. So you see a peak price, and you'll see a whole bunch of people jump in. You're going to see that tail off a little bit, and it's going to go low, and then it's going to come back, right, and probably about mid-level. So, yes, I think everybody's jumping in. We're starting to see that decline right now, and, and you can see that in hemp prices. But it's going to level out, right? It's got to be a long-term, uh, with all of with all of the... Uh, regulations and so on that our government's going through to do all of this, it's clearly going to be a long-term cash crop.
6: John McGuire with AG Tech Security actually installs cameras to watch over the farms and says many of these farmers seem to be taking the plunge.
5: What I'm seeing is more farmers, the people that are actually trying to grow it, Mm -hmm. I will say have some kind of farming background that they're really able to take and convert the land from a corn or soybeans hay into more of a hemp crop that's why they're also starting with smaller little let's you know I don't want to say it's a hobby farm but it's much smaller because it's way more profitable per acre than a corn or soybean you know so you only need 25 or 100 acres to make a really good living compared to some farmer that's got Three 4,000 acres of corn and soybeans, so
4: they're not even in the same realm. And as you mentioned before, Austin, this is a very new industry. It seems like the possibilities here are just endless. Absolutely, and
6: McGuire spoke to me about just where he believes all this is going to be heading.
5: All the benefits of hemp and the fiber and how that can become biodegradable products from pallets to car parts to you know tractor parts all of the different angles that people are getting into so it's really opened up a lot of business and I think that that's where the biggest change is coming is people just realize it's not just for the oil there's a lot of value in that hemp stock and the fiber that it has from you know I mean clothes you've seen before but now we're getting into car parts and you know pallets that are biodegradable instead of using wood and so um, even whole f- houses I mean the unique thing is in France there's over 2 million homes that are hemp houses that they've been built from top to bottom in Minnesota there's or in this the United States, there's probably 10 homes that are completely built, you know. So if we just got to that point where the hemp growth factor could be huge, because if they start getting into where instead of turning two by fours out of wood into two by fours of hemp, and you know, siding and roofing and all those items, the hemp market still has a long ways to go. It's just a matter of trying to not just get dwelled on the cbd oil and that advantage. It's going to be how do I grow outside of that? And that's what a lot of these farmers are looking at.
4: Yeah, wow, lots of opportunities out there. Yeah, but we have been
6: avoided kind of the elephant in the room and and that's kind of the stigma concerning hemp and the belief that it's just marijuana in a different form and and going back to Shivers for a second, he spoke about the challenge within his own family and growing him.
3: You know what a perfect example is my grandparents. So my grandfather's president of our company and I'll tell you that he never ever ever would have thought about anything like this a couple of years ago. And it took a while for him to get used to the concept, but it's funny now they have uh, you know CBD infused lotions. And this is the most conservative Iowa, you know, elderly family. It's 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 funny how the stigma's starting to erode. Yeah. And is it just simply because of money-making opportunities? And, and is that what's driving Education, I, I think. Oh, as far as the stigma eroding? Everything, yeah. Okay. Education and, and money. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. So, um, you know, from his standpoint, it's just really we're, we haven't been exposed to the product before, right? So you grow up with one thing in your mind, but you are never taking the time to educate yourself about it. I think after you get that education, you really start to understand the opportunity and so on. And that it's not the same thing as marijuana. And, and, and if it's even close to it. You know, we've been told that things are so bad about marijuana, but really, really why? Starting to educate yourself with all that. You know, that aside, I think uh, hemp's starting to disassociate itself with, you know, THC and and actual marijuana. So I think that's been good, too. And like I said, I think that's an educational process as well for the public.
6: Remember Jason Cohen of Tessera Naturals? He believes the stigma is wearing off when more people realize that CBD and the hemp products are actually a healthier option to pharmaceuticals.
7: There's a movement across the country that is gaining popularity, that it, that people are becoming more and more okay with cannabis in general, uh, including THC and recreational marijuana. We've seen several states already, I think it's 11 now, that are uh, fully legal with recreational purposes. So the, the stigma is going away, and then also I think because of all the research now with not only THC but CBD uh, and the health benefits, people are realizing, it's it's a natural plant, first of all, which is you know there's got it has its benefits that interact with our bodies in so many ways that provide relief, and it's an alternative natural holistic therapy, than um, rather than stick uh, you know com, uh, sticking with the prescription medications yeah. and people that take pain pills and and sleeping pills and whatever pills that their their doctors are prescribing, uh, they they're finding cannabis either THC or CBD or both, or a combination of, that can provide the similar benefits but without those detrimental effects of ruining your your gut and, you know, the d- different kind of systems that all the side effects that those, those uh, harsh prescription drugs are are causing.
6: And Jonathan Meek, who sells hemp flour, says the product is simply becoming more acceptable in today's society.
8: You know, the stigma originally is always, oh, they're just some more of those crazy potheads, right? Oh, it's they're just trying to figure out how to get their legal weed. Well... Yes and no, right? Um, The states that have gone recreational, good for them because that opens up the door really for more medicinal. Like in Texas, we have a medicinal program, super targeted. There's only half a percent of 1% that can actually use the program. And it's for untreatable seizures. That's it. Uh, So, yeah, the stigma really was, you know, they're just a bunch of crazy hippies. Well, you look at now, you look around here, you've got Fortune 500 businessmen. You've got your crazy hippies that are growing now, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's this is the only industry I've been in, and I used to be an operations manager that is so inclusive. Uh, there are people from every background. Uh, we had a guy here earlier from India, right? It's it's changing amazingly. You see a lot of the customers are in their late 20s. They want flour. But I have customers that come into my shop that are 80 years old. They're everybody's grandma, and she wants cream for her hands because she's been a secretary for 30 years so she's got arthritis so yeah the stigma is changing slowly uh tinctures and salves, roll-ons are definitely viewed a lot better than your raw flour yeah. but raw flour seems to have the best impact
4: boy austin you talk about that that stigma and it's amazing just how much perception has changed like even in the last five years with more and more states adopting laws just to flat out make small amounts of marijuana legal like they did in Colorado and California. That's just changed things.
6: Yeah, John, it's it's really amazing for sure. And Royce Dixon with R&R Naturals believes in the next few years, Texas may join one of those other states in expanding the growth of cannabis.
5: We have shown what Oklahoma has done. That's our sister state. So we're asking those senators and we're asking those um, politicians um, to to let us know how well it did for Texas. And they're doing that. And we got sitting on the ropes now. And I think he understands, not only is it big money for us, but it's going to benefit Texas, too. But, at the same time, it's going to benefit the public, because they're going to have another opportunity to get away from Big Farm, get away from a, a chemical that you need another chemical for because of byproduct or, or, or another byproduct of that, another you So, $7 is what it costs to go from seed to maturity when we grow a hemp plant. That hemp plant can hit every terminal illness and give some kind of hope in anybody's process to get healthy.
4: So that leads us to the current laws. Um, So what are they? And with some legalization of growing hemp, this must be really getting tough on law enforcement.
6: Well, it really is. I I spoke to Allen Police Chief Brian Harvey, and he talked a little bit about some of the problems his officers are facing.
2: I think part of the problem is with the Hemp Farming Act, uh, the agricultural bill, uh, there was a move to get Texas into the hemp industry. As I understand it, about 33 states already have hemp. So I believe there was some, some excitement to get into that, that economy, and the legislation was implemented immediately upon passage of the bill. Generally, our legislation is effective September 1 after the legislative session's end. And I think what's happened is law enforcement, um, law enforcement testing, law enforcement training hasn't had a chance to catch up to the bill and that's where we see the problems
6: so what happens when a cop pulls a person
2: over and sees hemp or marijuana in the car so the the agricultural bill or, or the hemp act as it's called um it's got some very strict guidelines on how commercial hemp should be packaged it should have barcodes they should have certificates of um, authenticity certificates of transfer and it's, it's very carefully regulated so when an officer stops a car a uh, probable cause isn't just the odor of marijuana because unfortunately cannabis has an odor whether it's hemp or whether it's marijuana so it's not just an odor but the Hemp Act prohibits commercial cultivation of hemp for smoking so if an officer stops a car and it's you know loose buds in a bag uh, next to a pipe, next to papers, next to a torch, um, it probably isn't commercial hemp. And then if it's not packaged, as I said, in a way that that has uh, you know, labels and, and destinations and you know, manufacturing origin points and things like that, that all culminates to probable cause, which is the officer's conclusion that this is illegal marijuana and, and is not commercial hemp.
4: And he talked about the testing there and a backlog. That's gotta be a tough thing for prosecutors as well. Yeah,
6: Austin attorney Lisa Pittman, who specializes in these types of cases, says it really does put the DA in each particular county in a bind.
1: There had already started to be a reduction before the farm bill because it's getting harder and harder. It kind of goes back to your earlier question about public sentiment. It's getting harder and harder to find a jury of 12 people willing to put somebody away for a joint. And a prosecutor's not gonna take a case to a jury that they're not gonna win so that's one reason for the reduction then with the passage of the hemp bill a prosecutor also has to prove that the person that they're charging with this crime you know beyond a reasonable doubt was in possession of marijuana and with texas having been a zero percent thc state our texas crime labs are not set up to test for percentages of thc just whether it's there or not and same thing with a drug dog. A dog can only sniff THC or not, not whether there's a little bit or a lot. So both on the law enforcement end and the prosecutor end, now you know they're they know they can't really prove for sure whether it was hemp or marijuana or not. So they're starting to shelve a lot of those cases. In some cases, it's a way for prosecutors to clear their docket and focus on more violent crimes and more you know, important crimes. And um, so the difficulty in proving right now that it's marijuana, that's also caused another reduction in the amount of charges filed.
4: So it looks like, especially with the passage of the Hemp Act, that some cities are just relaxing their enforcement of some certain marijuana laws.
6: Yeah, but Chief Harvey explains why law enforcement
2: hopes that that doesn't continue. There are some uh, pro-cannabis entities, um, either companies or or uh, organizations that are claiming a victory with the Hemp Act because they say that it has that Texas has acknowledged uh, basically marijuana uh, as an economic driver. The Texas Police Association uh, hopes that marijuana will not be legalized for recreational use. In years past uh, I think the argument against legalization may have been more emotional But now with uh, the states that have now had quite a history of legalization, we have empirical data now that it is a bad social experiment. Uh, Increases in potency are responsible for increases in emergency room visits in Oregon, um, increases in traffic fatalities uh, with dual intoxicants, the primary dual intoxicant being THC along with alcohol, Uh, the effects on the the adolescents has not. There are some causative factors, uh, and you could even say that there's not enough study yet to really make a definitive uh, conclusion that recreational marijuana is good for society. We're trying to keep our communities safe, and what we see in Colorado, what we've seen in Oregon, what we've seen in Washington State is a public, a public health problem, and that falls at law enforcement's feet.
6: He says the idea that small amounts of marijuana and THC is okay is not very accurate. I
2: think one of the things that people don't understand is the potency, and um, it's not it's not the three percent marijuana that maybe people my age uh, remember back in college. It's uh, it's a higher potency. The uh, from the sixties up to about. 2015 it's increased two hundred percent and we're seeing THC oil with ninety to ninety five percent potency and that's where the problem comes in it's not only inhaling but the vapes and the uh... the oils and the edibles the edibles are contributing to a lot of the emergency room visits because it takes longer to have the effects so people eat more of the edibles and then once the effects start happening it's a cascade that they can't stop and our uh, emergency medical brothers and sisters on the other side of the house are telling us that they're seeing psychotic disorders with the oils and the edibles uh, that are on par with the opioid hallucinations. On top of this, it's a slippery slope. There will be another move to, to decriminalize low-level marijuana. And we believe that that's another myth is that somebody with a low level of marijuana, less than two ounces, less than one ounce, is just a casual use- user. But what we see is individuals with less than one ounce, less than two ounce, are usually are multiple arrestees. And they also have other drugs. They also have weapons. They also have warrants. Um, maybe, we, maybe we get them in the commission of a burglary or a robbery, and then we find a low level of marijuana subsequent to arrest. And I think that's a lot different than a casual user that just has a low level of marijuana. Eventually it's the old, if you give an inch, they're going to start taking a mile and, and inch by inch, it's going, to,
6: uh, it's going to lead to something worse.
2: What the other states are experiencing economically is that their projections for income are... they're not meeting their projections. They were overestimated. And some of that I think they're finding is because of the proliferation of the black market, which is another myth that's put forward by the multi-billion dollar pro-marijuana industry is that it will eliminate the black market. But we've seen in other states that it gives the black market a foothold because the black market, the regulated dispensaries can't compete with the black market with the state restrictions and taxes that have been imposed to raise the revenue.
4: Whoa, so it sounds like, uh, while it's so positive on one side that law enforcement believes it might be, I mean, just pardon the pun, just a lot of smoke and mirrors here.
6: Exactly, and there's no doubt that society's views on this issue are changing. I asked Lisa Pittman again, the attorney from Austin, she works with the Texas legislature, just how long she believes it will be until Texas makes a major cannabis change She says at least five years.
1: I've been working in several legislative sessions and I was working really hard this one on hemp to get the hemp bill passed. And I would go talk to the Republicans and the conservatives because you talk to the Democrats, you're preaching to the choir. I want to go change the mind of of a doubter. And the first question out of anyone's mouth would be, well, hemp, ain't that just your stepping stone to marijuana? So I didn't dispel that. And the next question would be, well, what's to prevent Billy Bob from planting a marijuana patch in his hemp field? And then I would explain, well, cross pollination. So there's a lot of education and awareness that how to take place to convince all of these legislators that this is not marijuana. It's not a subterfuge for marijuana. That's the overarching concern to them: is that, oh my gosh, we're 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 letting the the, the camel's nose is under the tent now and they want to prevent
2: that. Going
6: back to Chief Harvey for a second, he describes it like this.
2: Years ago, uh, cigarettes were uh, marketed as uh, an aid to digestion and uh, to help with all kinds of maladies and and calm you down and they were a good thing and I think we've seen in retrospect that uh, maybe the tobacco industry knew that there were perils but they pushed it anyway because of profit and It seems like the push to legalize marijuana uh, has the same profit motive, and I would suggest that we don't know enough about it, and that if we move too quickly on it, that um, it will be a bad social experiment. Lots to think about, Austin. Thank
4: you so much for this uh, report. You did some great work, and we invite you to subscribe to our podcast, KRLD In Depth. We've got a different topic every week. For Austin York, I'm John Little for News Radio 1080 KRLD. We appreciate you listening to us today. You can also listen to us on the radio, of course, for breaking news, traffic, and weather.